0: Welcome to Simulator Review, helping you find quality flight simulation with the world's most comprehensive listings and reviews of simulators. A warm welcome to episode 8 of our podcast for the flight simulation community. My name is Alexis, and I'm joined again by my two colleagues from SimulatorReview.com. Elliot. Hello. And Andrew. Hi there. Welcome back to the podcast if you're a regular listener of our episodes. And if you are new to our podcast, then a very warm welcome. We're very pleased you found us, and we hope you stick around. I can recommend episodes 1 and 2 if you want a great introduction to us and our website, SimulatorReview.com. In this episode we want to start looking at another of our blue pin featured reviews for a simulator we have visited. In episode 4 we looked at simulator adventures in the UK and in episode 6 we looked at Delta 5 in Brazil and in this episode we'll be looking at real simulation back in the UK. As well as chatting about the review itself which you can read on our site we want to give you some of the background of our review and some discussion of what we thought the venue was like. Before that we go to our regular Simulator News update, where we cover news at simulatorreview.com and in the wider Simulator community. And for this, we go over to Elliot. So, Elliot, what have you got for us in this podcast for Simulator News? Thanks, Alexis. I thought
1: this week uh, I'd draw everybody's attention to a new addition to our website. As you know, we regularly upload articles that we believe may be of interest uh, to those who use simulators and also people who own simulators. But a a big thing we're about at Simulator Review is realism and value for money. And this can really be enhanced and helped by people preparing a little bit in advance for these simulator sessions. This may be for people who are going for the first time or certainly for more experienced simulator users. We feel that a lot of additional benefits can be gained by just doing a little bit of work at home beforehand. Um, Just a little bit of reading, a little bit uh, of looking at flight deck systems, pictures, watching a few videos on YouTube, uh, etc. can really give you an upper hand when you go to these simulator sessions. Especially for somebody who's new, being put in a flight deck can be really quite daunting. And uh, it's almost like having a fire hose of information at you and trying to drink from it. So if you can recognize just little bits that are out there in advance, a little bit of the primary flight displays or the layout of an airport that you'd like to go to or some of the vocabulary and the language used uh, can really make it a lot easier and a lot less daunting when you go in there and sit in there. And as a consequence, you'll get a lot more for the session. So what we've done is we've written two articles, one focused at the novice level, uh, one at the experience level, and basically they lead you through what we feel uh, you could do to prepare at home what to expect on arrival at the venue and also what we believe is achievable in those timeframes. Just so you turn up fully prepared, you've got a good understanding of what's about to happen and hopefully maximise the enjoyment from the session. It's not a cheap thing to do and we're, we're here to help. So, yeah, go head over to the website, simulatorreview.com forward slash articles. You'll find both of those there as well as a lot of other articles on other topics we think you'll find interesting.
0: Great. That sounds like a good idea to really help people understand and prepare for what they're going to do, whatever level they are at before they go to a simulator. And as you say, it really helps considering how much money they're paying to go on the simulator to have a bit of thought beforehand. And although there's no pressure that you must turn up and you must have a full plan of what you're preparing to do for your full hour, you you know, it's, it's always helpful to Perhaps have a look at something beforehand if you're a beginner and have some familiarity. Or if you're an advanced user, you know, have a think about specifically what you want to do.
1: That's exactly right. Uh, so, yeah, there's absolutely no must for this. It's a suggestion from some experienced pilots and simulator users about how to maximize your value from the session that you've bought. So there's no prior expectations, especially for the novice. Nobody's expecting you to go in there and know anything. And uh, definitely be assured that your instructor will have a plan and a bit of a patter uh, anyway that they, they use to bring people up to speed and help people maximize value from the session. We're just, just showing you a few extra little things that you could do that can help and just make it more enjoyable for you. If you understand what's being said and explained to you or it's more of a recap of what you've seen in action on YouTube. For example, we think YouTube's brilliant for our flight date videos. You know, it's only going to be a benefit to you.
0: Absolutely. Um, I remember when I used to organise annual trips of quite a large group of people to one of the simulator venues that when the airlines use it, I always used to suggest, you know, have a think about what you want to do beforehand. Don't feel you need to walk in there with a plan. But, you know, if there are specific things you want to do beforehand, if have a think about that. And that would really enable you to get the best out of your session. And that's really what, as you say, we're all about. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that, Elliot. And uh, we'll look forward to simulating you in the next episode. You're welcome. This week's main topic is a discussion about one of the Blue Pin featured reviews, and we have chosen Real Simulation in Harrogate in the UK. If you've listened to previous podcasts, you may know that these featured reviews are our top ones, where we have been to the venue and done a thorough in-person review to really bring you all the detail about what the venue offers, and what the simulator is like. This is another one that Elliot and I went to, so like in the last episode, it's time to hand over to Andrew, who will be hosting the discussion, and accruing some more time in the podcast left-hand seat. Perhaps it's time for him to go for his podcast command course. So over to you, Andrew. You have control. Thanks, Alexis. I have control. It's uh, good to be back in the seat.
2: I do like the uh, sheepskin rug you're using on it. Very nice. So uh, today, chaps, uh, you had the uh, lovely time with a real simulation, Harrogate. So perhaps to start off with, why do we pick that simulation venue to, uh, to go and review? Uh, Alexis, perhaps start with you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. It's actually quite close to where I live in the north of England. I've been aware about this simulator venue for, for a while, but hadn't managed to go. Also, on paper, it looks really interesting. They've got full motion simulators, which is not something we've seen much before. As well as that, it's got full motion 737, but also a Phantom F4. It certainly looked like an interesting one to visit and quite a unique venue. And so we were quite keen to go as soon as we could and have a look and see what we thought of it ourselves. Oh, lovely.
2: And when you got there, what was your first impressions of the venue and as you're walking into the place?
0: It's an interesting venue and it doesn't really compare to many other places we've been to. It's located on the outskirts of Harrogate, really in a quite rural area, um, in a little small office park off a farm. In the venue itself, it's, it's situated in a large hangar. And when you walk in, the impression's quite good because you walk in, it's a large space. You can see the 737 simulator and the Phantom simulator. There's a racing car simulator in there. There are some other things going on in there as well. You've also got um, the briefing rooms. There's a coffee area. So once you walk in, it, it is quite, quite striking.
2: Yeah, I remember the photos from the article you and Elliot uh, put together, and it's uh, really nice shots of their setup there. Uh, Elliot, uh, the simulators themselves, what was your overall impression
1: of what you saw there with the F4 and the uh, 7.3? Yeah. Um, do you know what? We walked into the the hangar, just so I'll go back to what Alexis was, and my initial impression, being a, an absolute lover of anything that you can steer or drive, it was a little treasure chest, well, a massive treasure chest. To the left, there's some office, as Alexis says, there are racing cars. There's a big electrics kind of set up at the back. So it's a little uh, little toy chest there with uh, a briefing room that was all done up in camouflage and some military kit there. But uh, as you say, the best thing that hit us as soon as we saw it was mounted up high to full motion simulators. And the 737 simulator looked like a proper 737 simulator uh, that we had have at the airlines. And then just to the the side there's also the f4 phantom simulator it's again mounted high on a full motion platform it's fantastic have a look at the pictures on the featured reviews um part of our website under real simulation we took some good photos there so you can understand the initial impression uh
2: which simulator did you start with which one you looked at first
1: uh, first one we went off to was the full motion 737 being a 7x 7, 737 pilot we thought we'd start there So we walked around uh, past all the little goodies, up the stairs and into the simulator. And for all intents and purposes, it was the same sort of simulator that we would have at work. A little bit smaller. You could tell it was different, perhaps because it was uh, an older aeroplane. It's a 737 Classic or a 200 My one that I used to fly is now called a Classic. But this was the Classic Classic. And um, so we're talking the steam-driven old sort of gauges, the artificial horizon, the HSI speed indicator etc it's it's all individual dials and individual engine instruments so had a really nice sort of red glow to it as well it felt vintage it felt old but it was cool it was a very it's a a good first impression that it makes on you and you do think you're stepping into something older and vintage when we go to our normal fixed base sims it's all glass cockpits bright lights and everything so uh, this really appealed to me it was good yeah, it must have been a, r- a real sort of step back in a few generations of aircraft.
2: W- was it an, a f- an old frame or old uh, cockpit they had used, or why had they gone with the uh, classic setup, do you know?
1: I would imagine it's uh, just the simulator that was available that uh, Adrian bought at the time or or uh, yeah. however he came across it. I'm not sure that it was specifically sought out as a classic we are just probably taken a, a little bit of back about you know a classic simulator presented to us. I only know of a Caravelle, a Vulcan. This and that's probably it for classic aircraft. Uh, there's not many about at all. You know, you can, loads of A320s and 737s, but this was unique. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the
2: irony, if it wasn't specifically sorted, actually provides a bit of a differentiation in the market now. Where, as you say, a lot of it's either the hybrid as we flew, uh, you know, threes and fours, or it's the NG full glass sort of setups now, so it's nice to
1: see. Yeah, so these aeroplanes are still in use as well, so they're by no means uh, dead or old. The Canadians use them. Uh, They're very good on gravel runways, these old classic 200s with gravel kits, and it's used in Africa as well for cargo ops and uh, flying around there as well, so they're still very much uh, in use and in service, these aircraft. Mm. But uh, to get on to the simulator, we, we sat down, it's... 737 seats, actual 737 yoke, 737 thrust levers. It was very, very authentic. It is the genuine article. It's hydraulically powered. So those of you who listened to our previous podcast will uh, appreciate what we mean by that. Um, so the feel of it, it is the best feeling simulator that we've been out to review so far in terms of realism, control loading, layout, etc. It was the right throttle friction. It was the right feel on the yoke. So in terms of actually the feel and flying it, it was very, very accurate and very good. And, uh, you know, brilliant flying on the, uh, the steam gauges, you know, the old gauges takes you back to the Seneca days.
2: Uh, uh, yes, uh, not fun memories. I, I, I do not miss that aircraft one a little bit. Uh, Alexis, uh, you've done a lot more variety of simulators uh, than uh, What was your impression as you stepped into that? I assume you took left seat, of course.
0: I, I don't remember. I think I took right seat. I think Elliot took the left seat. I think he oh, naturally, God. naturally placed himself in the seat before anybody else has I, that, I, I had, had a command. chance. To I took <laughs> command. I took command. And looked
2: look to you for his coffee order. I imagine that was all sort of a sweeping movement. <laughs> <laughs> what was That's your not overall?
0: button above, is it? <laughs> <laughs> what was your impression? The only time I've ever flown a simulator where it's felt as good as that is previously when I've flown a Level D 737 simulator down at CA in Oxford once a couple of years ago. As Elliot said, it, it really it does feel like you're walking into a real aircraft cockpit. You've obviously got the full motion system that he set up once we were in there. The controls feel really good. I'm not used to steam-powered gauges, so that takes a little bit for me to get used to rather than a glass cockpit, but even so, everything looked and felt really good. It's clearly you know something which seems to be using pretty much authentic instruments and uh, switches and everything else. Everything seemed to work quite well. I think the one fairly obvious thing when you step in, or when certainly when you use it, the great thing is the collimated visuals. So, again, we'll certainly be talking about that at some stage in one of our podcasts and talking about visual systems, but it means that wherever you're looking at in the cockpit, you see a, an authentic display rather than being a projected display, which you see in a lot of the, um, the venues we go to. One thing that is a problem is that it is quite a narrow field of view for that. So we're not certainly not talking 180 degrees or even 220 20 degrees wraparound visuals. Having said that, it was a reasonably good quality. It wasn't the kind of level of quality that you'd see in some of the more modern simulators, uh, but you'd obviously expect that it's a, it is an older simulator as well as being an older aircraft that is being simulated. And also there is the, the other issue, which is it's a bit limited in how far you can fly. So Generally, you can only fly around the Aberdeen area in the UK. You can't do the kind of long flights or you can't just pick and choose where you want to go. You couldn't go to Innsbruck, for example, if you want to go there or Madeira or somewhere else if you're interested.
1: Uh,
2: Was that just with the limitation of the database the simulator was holding? Was was that the reason for that?
1: Yeah, that's right. Just due to the age of the the simulator at the time, the availability in the database uh, for these sort of simulators had to be custom built. And uh, they've actually spent a bit of money working in conjunction with uh, a company that produces uh, visuals for the North Sea helicopters. So as a result, it was Aberdeen that we took off from and uh, there was an aircraft carrier out there. There was just a general area basically for Aberdeen Airport which the layout was correct and everything. And uh, by Alexis uh, explaining about collimated, we were, I think Alexis did the approach, we were able to fly, you know, a pretty good approach in and it all felt good and right. But the the visuals is definitely a limitation of this simulator. You can't look too far left or right at all. It's very much uh, in front of you uh, kind of screen.
2: Okay, so it's basically just Windows 1 and 2. Is that the main, there's no side threes and fours? and.
1: It's, it's, yeah, it's hard to explain because the, the visuals were outside the outside the window. So you still felt like you're in a flight deck, but okay. uh, the windows are outside. And it was a far better quality actually flying at dusk or dawn or at night where you don't need the colours and the realism um, for the ground. So I don't want it to come out as a, a negative because it's the best simulator or one of the best simulators we've flown in terms of feel. If you really want to go and fly a classic 737, and have a full motion good experience this is the place to go if you're up for having a look out the window and thinking wow this probably isn't the simulator for you all right nice
0: i think the important thing is if you realize those limitations of the simulator before you go then you can really take advantage and enjoy all the other things it does has all the positives that you've mentioned i think that the um, frustration can come if you didn't realize those things when you went and you, you started to kind of say well can i fly somewhere else or you know why is it not a full visual you know having perhaps experienced a lot of the other simulators with kind of wraparound views i think that's where you can see people being a little bit frustrated if they didn't realize that before they went Yeah, so it's a really good point
2: how how did the f4 then compare so that was a 7.3 and we mostly do focus on airliner setups a little bit different here with an f4 how how was that comparing
1: to
0: the 7.3
1: yeah, Alex has courageously volunteered me to go first uh, in the simulator. Is that correct? Did I go first?
0: Yes, I think you were you were volunteered. Yes,
1: yeah, so uh, I, I, anyway, I courageously stepped into the seat and uh, went where no airline pilot has gone before. That's not been in the Air Force or the Navy. So just to describe it, if you imagine the front of a Phantom with a little bit of the radar dome chopped off and then right behind the flight deck chopped off, that's pretty much what you've got mounted on a hydraulically powered platform. And the instructor station is actually mounted down a set of steps outside and to the side of the simulator. So communication with the pilot inside the sim and the instructor is done via headset and you're, you're quite far apart. The instructor can see what you're doing inside. It's got all the same instrumentation and he's got the map plans and everything outside so yeah you go up the steps clamber in there's uh, definitely a knack to getting in and out of these sorts of fast jets the canopy closed you're strapped in uh, that comes down winter in there don't don't go if you're claustrophobic and uh, it's very accurate to what a jet would be and then you've got a black uh, fabric covering that you you really need that uh, adrian explained why we have that it's a frosted canopy but if you put this black um, cover over it, it really enhances the uh the feeling and the the system sounds a really good thing and uh, then you're there twiddling your thumbs thinking what have i got myself into here um you look around so again it's an authentic vintage fighter cockpit so lots of toggle switches lots of dials lots of gauges uh split hotas throttle and uh control column in between your legs. Lots of uh handles that say eject, warning, danger, don't pull. Only in case of emergency, that sort of thing. And uh yeah, we were we were released under good instruction from Adrian the owner. He's uh, he knows his stuff. Uh was able to lead us through uh, a nice fly around and a carrier landing as well.
2: I was going to say, did you do the carrier uh, landing onto that? And that was, yeah, was So out of Aberdeen onto the carrier, is that what that is?
1: right, yeah, out of Aberdeen. Oh. Uh, we were guided onto the aircraft carrier by Adrian. Used reheat. I've never used afterburn or reheat before, so you push the, the split throttles forward. Uh, we call them thrust levers in the airline world, but I think they're called throttles on this. And uh, you sort of move them slightly right and further forward through a detent or a lock gate. It's quite stiff. And uh, yeah, full military reheat there, and uh, you can actually feel the acceleration. It was, yeah, it's just, Oh, I want to go again. It was fantastic. Uh, certainly a carrier landing, man. That's uh, that's something very different. I've never had uh, such an experience. How was that? Uh, it was good. I think we made it. I think both of us made it, didn't we, Alexis? Yeah, very good.
0: I think we both got down on the carrier. I think I, I will concede that your carrier landing was far better than mine. Too. Yeah, but you,
1: you didn't crash. <laughs>
0: Well, I wasn't going to raise that, but... Uh, I, I had a bit of a
1: closer look at the trees than I uh, I thought I would.
0: <laughs>
2: it's clearly, not the trees by the carrier. There must be been trees elsewhere. One was uh, low-flying practice.
1: On, on the way home, having been very chuffed at uh, making it to the carrier, I might have got carried away with my low-level flying, perhaps.
0: In a sense, this is one of the positives. So, although we've talked about the limitations of, of the scenery database, it's the same area that's used for the Phantom, but... In effect, it's not so much a limitation because you're not attempting to, to get, do any kind of routes. You're not attempting to go interesting places. It is about flying through the mountains, which you can obviously do near Aberdeen. You've got a carrier there as well. So actually, it's less of an issue, I think, for the, for the Phantom. Plus, you've got all the other things going on in there. You know, the completely different um, scenario and layout and aircraft that you'd you wouldn't see anywhere else. So I really enjoyed it. Flew around just like Elliot. Uh, took off from Aberdeen, tried for the carrier landing, flew around the hills. It was really enjoyable. Uh, it's something I've not done before, and I, I you know, I, I thought that was again another unique thing that I think real simulation has got.
1: Uh, so we ought to qualify it like we did with the 737. This is an old simulator. It's uh, an old scenery style package. The visuals are not wraparound, so you can't look out the side of the canopy. It's very much just what's in front of you. So there's no sort of 3D perception going on when you're flying. It's very much you're flying the screen in front, albeit full motion moving and you're getting the sensations. But you're not getting that 3D picture out to the sides. So you could look at some of the more modern fighter simulators that are going up at Ascent Aviation in Glasgow or Boltby, have a uh, spitfire simulator down on the south coast with sort of a dome visual setup and you can actually look out and down and around at the ground that isn't possible in this simulator but then this simulator is a, a, a full motion simulator full motion setup very
2: nice overall then any, anything else about the venue about its website uh, reception area anything else you've from your experience in the review that you wanted to highlight for our listeners
1: Yes, yeah, so it's, uh, it's got a briefing room. We like seeing that. It's got a briefing area, we should say, and it's all decked out very nicely in uh, camouflage netting and kit. There's a whiteboard. Uh, it's very nicely done. There's a lot more at the venue, like we've mentioned, than just the two simulators. There's a, a really nice catering racing car. There's a couple of racing car simulators. There's a scale electric setup. It's very much like a boys' toys sort of cave full of treasure. I'd like to mention about the instructors. They use real ex-airline pilots and ex-air force instructors so the credibility of the guys that will be leading you through the sessions uh, is is top notch uh, you know you can really trust with what they're saying they know what they're talking about uh, even includes an ex red arrow amongst the red arrow pilot amongst their instructors so you don't really get much higher pedigree uh, that and the owner Adrian was a very nice chap very capable knows all his stuff exactly what he's talking about and uh, we had a really good time chatting with him and m- meeting him
2: yeah, that sounds really good Alexis uh, anything from you from your overall impression sort of wrapping up uh, our review uh, for these guys
0: yeah it's a difficult one to uh, summarize and to, to really give an overall feeling with because I think the thing I always ask you is when I want to spend my own money and would I want to? Would I feel it was value for money going there? I think if you look at it, if you try and compare it to a lot of the venues we've seen and that exist already, both in the UK and elsewhere, it's a difficult one to compare because obviously it's a very old aircraft, uh, both with the 737 and the Phantom, limited scenery as we've talked about and visuals. I think if you look at it in that context, you may think it's it's not worth visiting, but I I don't think that's accurate. Uh, actually. As Elliot said, it's much more of an experience. It's set up, in a sense, for a kind of team uh, away days. So you've got a number of activities going on. So 737, the Phantom, the racing car simulators, you've got the catering room, as Elliot said. You've got the Scale Electrics. There's a large meeting room as well, which is kind of done up in an airline-type style coffee area. So if you look at it in that context, it is probably value for money. I think it's also worth going, if you want to try out a classic, classic 737, on a motion and the phantom as well so i think it is actually good and i think it is good value for money
2: fantastic well that's great guys and it, it sounded like you had a great time there and certainly from the review that you put together and the photos it's it's a real nice addition to our to our database and a, a real asset to have on there well, thank you to Alexis and Elliot for that. And uh, we look forward to hearing another Blue Pin feature review and a future podcast. So with that, unfortunately, I have to get out of the seats. And Alexis, you have control.
0: I have control. How are you finding the seat? Are you finding it comfortable? Are you getting a bit too comfortable in there, or uh, it's it's very big shoes I have to fill in there, to, <laughs> to be honest.
2: So there, there's no one, one knows. It's more like cruise relief. I think we've mentioned that before. And you know, it's in the cruise, I'm taking over. and It's nice and easy. So, uh, but I appreciate the time. I must get that logbook signed off at some point, (laughs) too.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) Nice one. Right. Well, thank you, Andrew. And uh, thanks to Elliot as well. And we'll have more episodes coming, the Blue Pin featured reviews in the future. So keep an eye out for those. So there you go. A chat about real simulation in Harrogate, their Full Motion 737 Classic, and their Phantom F4 simulator. Have a look at the review on our site as well. There are some photos that we took, which Elliot mentioned when we visited, so you can see what it's like. If you've been to Real Simulation, let us know what you think. You can add your comments to the review on our site, SimulatorReview.com. We'd love to hear what you thought, and whether you enjoyed your experience, and why. In our next episode, we will have a look at another of our articles from our site. We'll be going a bit more into the background of the article, and having a discussion about it. We'll hopefully have some special guests on as well, to take part in the discussion, so I hope you'll join us all again for that. In the meantime please do subscribe to our podcast. We are available on Apple, Google, Spotify and quite a few other podcast services. And please leave us a star rating and review. As we've said before, we'll definitely read them out if you leave us a five star rating and review. And especially if you are coming from another part of the world. Great to see some listeners from other parts of the world and especially from the US where we know we've got a little bit of a following as well. So do let us know what you think of the show so far. Until next episode, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from Andrew. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Elliot. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Simulator Review Podcast. We would love your feedback, so please do comment and rate us. Please follow, share, like and subscribe on all our social media channels, where you can see regular updates on new Simulator listings and reviews, as well as our latest articles. Until next time, happy Simming.